It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you, and keep her going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio. Josh Jacobs running back for the Raiders at the bottom of the hour. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, the franchise in Southern California, will join us next. Uh, No NBA tonight, which is interesting. And as far as I'm concerned, no hockey playoffs because the Golden Knights did not, they haven't made the playoffs. Uh, The cover story every day. Everybody's just waiting for a shoe to drop. Uh, Ed Graney writes today reality of season sinking in. DeBoer has earned opportunity to coach the Knights again. Uh, I read this column today. Ed does such an amazing job. And uh, Ben Getz also wrote a good column here. What could have been runs through the team's thoughts. Yeah, uh, this is a disaster that the Golden Knights are not in the playoffs, at least for one round for a couple of nights to see if they could have a miracle and get out of that. But that's what happens when you underachieve in sports, and everybody knows about that. It could happen with any of your teams. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, the franchise in Southern California, longtime NFL voice, great legendary sports talk host, joins us. So I didn't hear anything negatively on Vegas. I was there for it. I was on the ground. It popped on TV. Do you think that Roger Goodell wants to come back to Vegas more often? Oh, I'm sure he will, but, you know, he's got to service an awful lot of other marketplaces because the draft is is a unique conglomeration of fans and NFL officials and league meetings, and obviously it's a money stream. So, yeah, he'll come back to Vegas, but there's some other places he probably is going to wind up getting bids for, and he'll take it to Kansas City and take it to a few of these other places. Lee, I was amazed by that. There was a couple of takeaways. Here in Vegas, it was the Devontae Adams draft because the Raiders wanted to get him, and uh, they didn't have a pick till the third round. But I thought the Georgia players, especially on defense, and then the nine trades in the first round. You look at things really unique and big picture. What do you think about the trades in that first round, especially A.J. Brown, and why so many teams wanted to trade, move up or at least move back? A lot of different layers of opinions. First of all, I think the landscape of the NFL has changed because there's a new breed of general manager who's come on board. I call them Ivy League guys. Uh, They don't necessarily care about somebody else's draft picks that they inherited. Uh, they're, They're not afraid to trade quarterbacks. Obviously, wide receivers have big currency. And if I can stockpile more draft picks and, and the analytics that I'm going to use and take the kind of player I want, I think that's why we've seen all this happen. You know, there were 11 significant trades in the offseason leading up to the draft, nine trades in the first round, seven more trades in the second round. Just unbelievable number of, of draft picks that were flipped, flipped multiple times. And then you add into the equation, I, I, I really think if you read between the lines, Some of these general managers just stood up and said, you're not going to hold me hostage. The minute these guys started threatening to hold TAs and I want my contract upgraded and everybody wanted to be a $20 million man, I think that's why you saw the significant trades, whether it was the cost to to, to keep Devontae Adams in Green Bay or Kansas City's decision that they had had a great run with Tyreek Hill, but they were not going to pay him $25 million a year. Or, you know, what happened in, in Baltimore uh, with Hollywood Brown mm-hmm. and what happened with A.J. Brown. 
So I, I just think the landscape has shifted. I don't know if you want to call it an earthquake, but obviously things are really, really different in the NFL. Hacksaw's and, on, and, and, you know, in terms of the draft, Georgia, how unbelievable was that? Oh. Five in the first round, 15 players overall. Their entire defense was drafted. I mean, it was pretty significant. So, yeah, I, I just think it was a unique, unique draft. And the fact, JT, we had 16 defensive guys taken. I think there were nine offensive linemen. I think there were maybe six or seven uh, uh, wide receivers mm-hmm. that all went very early into the second round. Uh, and the quarterback sat on the board, sat on the board, sat on the board, and a bunch of those guys got to prove themselves because they got drafted in the third and fourth round. So I was, I was just fascinated. Just a very different time in the NFL draft. Yeah, great point. Hacksaw joins us. Uh, Lee, I tell you, Baker Mayfield, I didn't expect anything until after June 1st, so I didn't think there'd be a blockbuster trade. There was no need for other teams. They're waiting for him to get cut or to resolution so they don't have to pay him as much. But I'm a Baker Mayfield guy. I think there's tremendous upside with him. He played hurt last year. He broke the rookie touchdown record when he came in, led his team to a playoff win over Pittsburgh. There's a lot of good on that resume for a guy who's getting trashed on social media and people think that he's only – you know, he's playing himself out of the league. I thought there'd be six or seven teams that would be interested. Now it's down to only one or two fits. How do you see this playing out? Well, he's hurt, and I think that's the big piece of the equation. Uh, does he have trade value to Cleveland? Yeah, probably some if they're willing to pay a piece of the contract. I don't think anybody's trading a number one for Baker Mayfield. I don't know how many teams, uh, as of lunchtime today, JT had 18.7 million cap space to take on Baker Mayfield's final year. If Cleveland is willing to eat a chunk of that money and pay a piece of that salary, maybe they can get a third or a fourth round pick for Baker Mayfield. I, I tend to agree with you. He was damaged goods last year. He tried to grind his and grit his way through. He played really, really poorly. But prior to that, they, that was that was a, a top-tier quarterback. Not the superstar, but that that's a top-ten quarterback. So I think he's probably going to get traded. I don't know what to make of the Garoppolo situation. He's damaged goods again. There's an injury factor there that I think is probably going to scare a bunch of teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He's got a $25 million cap figure for this last season in San Francisco. I don't know if they're going to be able to move him at that price. I don't think they want to eat the contract, so maybe they just keep him for the time being. And then you get to the trading deadline and half his salary has been paid, maybe you can get something for him. Of course, we don't know how good Trey Lance is going to be as a starting quarterback in San Francisco. So uh, the dominoes have not all fallen. And keep in mind, this, this, the other angle to this whole quarterback storyline is we don't know what the NFL is going to do with Deshaun Watson. There sure. still could be a suspension of some sorts coming. Uh, there surely has been no settlement with, with the sexual misconduct lawsuits. That's still out there. So, you know, maybe as weird as it sounds, maybe Cleveland is forced to hold on to Baker Mayfield yeah. uh, if, if, if they can't get a final decision uh, sometime during training camp on the status of Deshaun Watson. Now, he is there as their OTAs begin. He's cleared to go through OTAs. That does not guarantee he's there Labor Day weekend when the NFL season starts up. So, a lot of things still to be decided. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, the website is always in front of me whenever I'm hosting my radio shows, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. It's updated constantly on the biggest storylines in sports. Before I get to Urban Meyer, I wanted your comment on that. I really enjoyed the information you had up there. But Debo Samuel, I, I understand why Debo's upset. 
because they're running him into the ground, running him off tackle, uh, making him play this more of a weapon role instead of being a wide receiver, and he wants wide receiver money. I think Kyle Shanahan, this is on him. If he can't sit down the athlete and say, look, I'm not going to give you as many touches behind the line of scrimmage or we'll get you more money so you can be paid like your peers, then Debo's going to look at the league and say, no, I will not do this going forward because it's going to cut down Lee on the amount of seasons he's going to be able to play down the road if he takes this beating. How do you see this playing out? Well, he's due to make 4.8 mil. Wants 20 to 25 mil just like that with a snap of the fingers. Don't see San Francisco doing that. I think this is a payday thing. I don't necessarily think this is a wear and tear, how you're using me type thing. But, you, I mean, what you say has a lot of credence. Uh, you look back at about four years ago, one of the hottest running backs, most complete running backs, multi-purpose back was Le'Veon Bell. And he was making 14 mil. And he had a lot of touches, what, three years in a row. And then he, they got involved in the contract dispute. Pittsburgh sat out. Pittsburgh let him go. He's been with three different teams since then. He's never, ever been the same player. And I don't know if that's because he missed a whole year or whether that's just a wear and tear factor. But you, you go back and look at how many touches he had. It was, it was over 300 touches two or three years in a row in the Mike Tomlin offense. So I think, you know, Debo's got to pay a little attention to that. Careers are short. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Injuries are a, a piece of this dialogue. But, you know, to go from $4.8 million to $25 million with a snap of the fingers, I don't see San Francisco doing that considering they got other guys that they got to deal with, too, and they got a cap issue. So uh, the be- I guess the best thing is you play them. You owe me a year on your contract. Uh, you know, they could mm-hmm. bonus them. They could take them up to $12 million immediately on the last year of the contract as a show of good faith and then try to get them signed. But you could always franchise tag them. So I don't know that he's got huge leverage, and I don't think players really need to sit out or want to sit out one full year. Not him. Still, he'll still owe him the final year of the contract. Storyline still to be told as, as we go through, you know, spring into summer. Hey, Lee, finally, Urban Meyer going back to Fox is mind-blowing to me, but it, maybe it shouldn't because my friend Pete Rose was there. There were allegations against Pete. Uh, if you look back at the history, A-Rod was kicked out of baseball, a pariah in baseball. He sits on the desk. Uh, a big poppy tied to the Mitchell report, but now a Hall of Famer. If you look at the history of who they've hired, they don't mind a controversial decision. But after everything Shad Khan was talking about and the way he let down everyone in Jacksonville, to be rewarded, to come back with a TV seat like that, even though I don't think he's great on television, is this a bad look for Fox or is just... Just television, where they want popular people sitting at the table with opinions. It's Fox being Fox. You know, I don't care whether it's Tucker Carlson or whether it's Urban Meyer. It's Fox being Fox. I don't care about the history as long as the guy's not in prison. If he's got some credibility, they'll put him on the air. But, I mean, Urban Meyer self-destructed. I don't understand his whole train of thought in Jacksonville, why he did that. I'm not even quite sure why they hired him, except there was a one-loss record to look at, and you say, wow. But, you know, the minute – and you and I talked about this probably a year and a half ago, JT, on our notebook segment. You know, I, I look back and said, God, you're at Ohio State. You get eight first-round draft picks every year in recruiting. It's, it's lock, stock, and barrel. Go to the NFL, you get one. And, by the way, the NFL doesn't have a hell of a lot of Northwesterns playing in it. You're going to have a lot of problems because that thing had really bottomed out. If you go back someday over a cup of coffee – you go back and make a list 
of all the marquee players that Jacksonville let go, traded away, or ran off, or exited via free agency, starting with Calais Campbell to Dante Fowler and Jalen mm. Ramsey. You look at all those players that are gone from Jacksonville. There's no way that franchise had any chance to be successful from the get-go, even though they got Trevor Lawrence coming in the front door with the number one pick. So I don't know what Urban Meyer was thinking, and nobody's nobody's sorry for Jacksonville. Nobody's sorry for Urban Meyer if they mm-hmm. beat his brains out and he goes 2-11, and 11, and then he complicated it by all the junk he did off the field and his lack of relationships with his own coaches and uh, just the sledgehammer things that he said and then the issues with his own players and his own locker room and teams. God, how could Shad Khan make a, a mistake like that? How, you know, how do you not do due diligence on a wide variety of things? And he must have been excited by the neon lights of the one, one loss record and didn't pay any attention to the other, any of the other stuff. And so it's a long road back for Jacksonville because of what they did when Shad Khan first got in there and what happened to all those great players and then what they became and then who they hired and who they fired. And I think Doug Peterson did a good job, but it's a long road back. Thank you, Lee. Always good to talk to you. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Always looking at the website. We'll uh, tweet out what you got brewing. Thanks so much for the time. My pleasure, JT. Be well. Talk to you again soon. You got it. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. One of the reasons I got in the business. He was the first guy I ever called. First guy. Everybody says, well, I won Jim Rome smack off. I started with Jim Rome. Those who know that part of my history know. I was calling Hacksaw first, and then I ended up calling Jim Rome. I was calling the Loose Cannons. I was calling a bunch of shows in Southern California. And people say, you know, Bobby, were you calling Mike and the Mad Dog back in the day? No, I was a stockbroker. I graduated college in 87, and I bring that up today because I was up early today watching the stock market. The market closed today down 1,063 points, NASDAQ down 647, and how was your day? So it's a great segue to my big partner, Modelo, because you might as well drink Modelo all day today because if you look at your statement, you got slaughtered today. And don't tell me you didn't. All right, don't tell me you didn't. Don't tell me you didn't have a piece of something that had to something to do today. So I, I, people get crazy when I send out that tweet. I'm working for free today. I could work 75 shows in a row for two hours, and the amount of money that got eviscerated today in accounts, it's just a number. My dad will say, no, it's just a number. Yeah, well, it's a pretty big number on days like today. And when you look at that, that market down 1,000 today. Uh, thanks to Hacksaw. He's got great information. I just want to share with you quickly how gutless the media is. In general, gutless. Today at ESPN, I click on the cover story. It says, Washington Commanders bringing back their 87-year-old marching band after a two-year hiatus. I said, what is that? So I click on, and it says, the Washington Commanders reach back into their past to continue a tradition, a hallmark of their games restoring the marching band. I said to myself, how about an update on the John Gruden emails? How about ESPN writing a cover story on that? What's going on with the Gruden lawsuit? Oh, you don't want to write about that? Well, hey, ESPN Plus or .com, how about a storyline on Daniel Snyder and the way those cheerleaders were treated or what happened on airplanes or you may be skimming off the top and maybe having to go sit in front of Congress? Nothing. So today, this is the fluff crap that, that haunts me in the media. Okay, look, guys want to talk about movies on their shows and Burger King all day long, not here. But come on. I saw Washington Commanders. I clicked on like, oh, my God, is there going to be something on Gruden and the emails that mysteriously took out the head coach of the Raiders, but not the head coach of anybody else? Wink, wink. Nothing. We're writing columns. John Kime is writing a column today on the homepage about bringing back the bleeping marching band.
This is like a mafia movie with people protecting one another. It really is. It reminds me of a movie, like a gangster movie when I'm watching and everybody's protecting each other. There should be a column about Daniel Snyder every day until he is brought to justice for what he's done to that organization, what happened with the leaked emails, where they came from, so we can move on from this. The NFL, I'm a huge NFL fan. We're a flagship of an NFL team. I know what I'm doing. But the big storylines this offseason, now that the fluff of the draft is over, the pomp and circumstance of Ice Cube, Weezer, everybody having a good time with their giant drinks on the strip is, how many games is Deshaun Watson missing? How many, what happened to these women? What's going to happen in those civil cases? Number two, the Brian Flores lawsuit, where he claims the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, asked him to tank games. Where's that story today? Don't see it anywhere. The John Gruden emails. How come Gruden's emails exclusively were leaked and no one else's were leaked? And who else was on those emails? Ooh, don't want to go there, right? Who else was on those emails? Right? Can't find that. We can find out about uh, marching bands. What a joke. What an embarrassment this league is sometimes with the media. There's a handful of people. You get media now that are so connected to their media outlet that they can't do anything. They can't do anything. NFL.com can't do it. We love NFL.com. ESPN.com can't do it. I love ESPN. Fox can't do it because they're tied together with the league. They're tied to the shield. So they can't. The only guy who does it is Mike Florio. He's the only guy out there. Uh, Thanks for joining us this hour. Josh Jacobs at the bottom of the hour. Raiders running back. We'll talk to him about his football camp and where he stands this offseason. And we're looking for the one-position group after. I waited till after the draft to come on and ask this question to you. The position group, which is now a priority. We had Dave Ziegler on. Uh, That interview was up at Raiders.com. If you didn't hear it, I really hope you listened to it. Real proud of that conversation, Dave. It was all Dave. He went on this, like, deep, geeky, in a positive way. I like geeky kind of football conversations when you're diving into something. He really dove into the Devontae Adams deal and gave us some nuggets that we didn't have before on how it changed the board for the Raiders and the organization and the money and everything they have going on going forward. Yeah, I'm not apologizing for that rant on the Washington Commanders. The Washington Commanders and their failure in that organization had an effect on the Raiders. And if you look big picture, all those emails that started, the reason Josh McDaniels and Dave are here, and some people think that's a positive too, everything changes. One storyline changed a 10-year contract. I've never defended what Coach Gruden said in those emails, never would. Never would. You know that. You've heard it here. But that triggered one of the most massive turnovers in Raider history, from coaches to players and all that. And I just think that Raider Nation should know what's going on. So from time to time, we bring that up. And what triggered me today was this garbage by ESPN to put this crap on their homepage. Like, it's just, hey, man, don't look over here. Don't look over here. It's Snyder. Look at the marching band. Bunch of frauds. 702-365-9200 as we continue. Oh, and the cover story today. I'm on a roll. Oakland Ballpark gets a boost. Bay Area hopes live uh, as Vegas talks also continue. Wow. God, I don't know how I'm not getting a consulting fee on this deal. From the people I know involved in this deal on every level, former staff, current staff, people chasing this story around town, I mean, 
the, the rule should be you shouldn't be allowed to talk on radio about the Oakland ballpark if you have no idea what's going on with Oakland and how they're using Vegas and how the A's use the Raiders with the 10-year lease. If you don't know the premise of that, how could you be talking about it? The history of this goes way back. It goes back even before Libby Shaft. Uh, it goes back to the corruption of East Bay politics and what Oakland's now using. I just love the fact that the Oakland A's fans have now said, we're not going. No, no, you're, you're, you're using us. Because the Oakland fans, Bobby, they don't have this paper delivered like I have delivered to my doorstep every day. And when I come in after my dog walk, I read the paper here, and I'm reading stories about the Oakland ballpark because there's moms and dads, let's be properly collect, there's moms in Summerlin and Henderson reading the paper going, honey, are we getting a baseball team who have no idea? They just want to put on their new outfit and go to the new ballpark, which is going to take three years to build here, knowing that the owner of the Oakland A's is the worst owner in baseball. It's going to be the same owner unless he sells it. Now, again, I said I clean up my whole opinion on this topic if he sells the team. If Mr. Fisher sells the team to a new owner that's based here in Vegas and moves the Oakland A's here and changes the name, I'll line up to get season tickets. I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a Yankee fan. But, and everybody not being able to figure out and connect the dots with this garbage, the A's here in, in southern Nevada, and what they're doing to their fans up there. Start a list of the people who are talking about this every day and are clueless. You don't want this group of Oakland A's here. The fans have walked out of them in Oakland. Why would you want them in Vegas if the fans in Oakland don't want them? Raider fans wanted the Raiders to stay in Oakland. Turned out it didn't work out this way, and there's blame to go around. Turned out to be great for the Raiders in Vegas. Look around. But for the A's, to think that you're going to scrub and clean that and give it a shower and then bring it here, and it's going to be with a new dress on, and it's going to be different? Unbelievable. This, this is a garbage franchise currently. It's an historic franchise back in the day. This Oakland A's organization and team right now isn't worth. I wouldn't put this newspaper in a birdcage. I wouldn't even, this, this, not the article, because Mick wrote the article. He's fantastic. But the topic line on the Oakland A's in Vegas, man, don't, don't, be, don't, don't be ignorant on this topic. Don't be the one rapping about this at a casino sports book and not know what you're talking about. If you want to align yourself with this garbage, everyone who wants to, to get their free credential so they could sit up there in the new ballpark and, like, what do you do? I don't know. You have a show? Do you have a, No, no. You just got your credential because you want to go to a ball game for free? There's plenty of that in this town. Let's clean that out and understand why the A's shouldn't be here and how they're screwing their fans up in Oakland. And a lot of Oakland fans know the story. You should be calling in. Don't call my show. Call the other shows on this one because uh, you're not going to get any support from me unless – ownership changes, and they get rid of Dave Cavill, that carnival barker who just all blew up beautifully in Oakland's face now. They thought, hey, man, let's go down to Vegas and get a couple of nights at a hotel in Vegas and stay down there, have lunch in Henderson and Summerlin, look for some ballparks, then get on a private jet and fly back up there, and there's no one in the Oakland ballpark? You, You didn't see this one's coming? No one's going now because the fans there in Oakland are not going to sit there as Dave Cavill is hanging out in some expensive hotel room overnight claiming that he's trying to pit Summerlin and Henderson against Oakland and the East Bay. There's more money in the East Bay and Silicon Valley than anywhere in the world, and these they can't figure out a partnership there.
play that rant again. I'll get the hell out of here. 702-365-9200 as we roll on. Oh, here come my buddies texting me. They don't call. They just text me. Man, you're pretty, <laughs> you're pretty hard on the A's, JT. Yeah, I am pretty hard on the A's because they're using Vegas and they're using Oakland. Okay? Mark Davis wasn't using both sides. Vegas wanted him. Vegas doesn't seem to want the A's. That's the key there. Josh Jacobs at the bottom of the hour. Carve's going to come up underneath center. Sutton's going to go over to the left side. Jacobs sprinting, cuts, battles. Jackpot, baby! Just Jacobs behind Sutton Smith. Oh, happy Cinco de Mayo. Josh Jacobs supposed to join us here in a few minutes. Hopefully, everybody, if you're getting your Cinco de Drinko on, you're doing it in an Uber or a Lyft. Look at those stocks today, Uber and Lyft. <laughs> Another topic to look at. Maybe everybody should be. Everybody should see if their Uber or Lyft is still in their phone if the app is there. But a good day today. We have a lot of our partners, a lot of our friends here are involved in Cinco de Mayo and a lot of big events, including Resorts World, where I'm working with them at Red Tail inside that gorgeous property. And that's where they're going to have the announcement for the Nevada Back, uh, Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, Rich Ramada and my good friend involved with that. The Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame is one of my favorite Hall of Fames, and they're going to be announcing the class of 2021 and 22, the inductees, coming up here Friday night, May 6th, 7 p.m. I'll be over at Red Tail inside Resorts World, and that should be a nice crowd there. They were great. This Hall of Fame got understood it right out of the gate. They just decided to put everybody in. Put Mike Tyson in, put Holyfield in, put Duran in, put Sugar Ray, and all these guys came for these inductions, and uh, they've been pushed aside a little bit with COVID issues and what they do typically with their calendar, but they're back in a big way, and I'm in full support of all of that. Another big topic is Ryan Tannehill. This is something we have to address here because Ryan Tannehill is talking about the emotions that he's having and the emotional scars that he's having because of the playoff loss to Joe Burrow in Cincinnati on top of the fact that he doesn't want to mentor the new quarterback coming in, Malik Willis. It's a deep scar. You know, it was a, a lot of sleepless nights. Every time I closed my eyes, I was, I was uh, re-watching the game in my head. Didn't get a whole lot of sleep for, for weeks and weeks after the game. It was in a dark place and it took me a while and a lot of work to, to get out of it. You know, it wasn't something that, that went away easily. And it's still a scar that, that I'll carry with me, you know, throughout the rest of my life. That is an incredible soundbite because you, if you talked about mental health, you talked about that issue 20, 30 years ago, fans would have just went crazy. But now they don't because people are more aware of mental illness and depression and what's happening. So in the position I'm in, you, know, you can't comment on it. You, you can't say, well, that guy's weak. He shouldn't be leading a team. He's showing uh, vulnerability or issues. No, 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 no. Uh, you got to basically stay in the middle on that topic because you don't want to offend anybody. But he is a franchise quarterback, and he went through a lot of therapy for that game. So then they end up drafting Malik Willis, who could have went number 20. I think he would have went 20 if, if it turned out that Pickens was off the board. He drops all the way to Tennessee, and on the back end of that, Tannehill's talking about not wanting to mentor him. You can't do that. But as, as has been pointed out, 
Joe Montana did nothing to mentor Steve Young. Do we all know if you read Steve Young's book, it's one of the best sports books I ever read, ever, Steve Young. And Steve Young would look up, forget about a friendship and a life. Joe Montana is in front of him, and Joe wanted every rep. Tom Brady wanted every rep. Remember a guy named Jimmy Garoppolo? And he wanted every rep. It is not the job of a quarterback to hold the hand of the new quarterback who wants their job. But you got to mentor these young guys. And Kurt Warner dropped the mic. Kurt Warner said, I'll mentor all these guys. Kurt Warner was offended by Tannehill's comments there in general because, look, you can't look that way. You can't be a leader. You can't be a leader and say you're emotionally scarred by a playoff loss and need a deep therapy. And in the same sentence or the same paragraph, you're not going to mentor the new guy coming in. So he's on his way out. I think these comments... I'm not going to say they're detrimental to the league. They're detrimental to Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's telling you that he is not right. He's not the same guy that he was four or five years ago. And remember, you know, he's, he could be damaged goods because he was a backup and finally got an opportunity to play and then played at a high level. What were they up, 24 to nothing on Mahomes in Kansas City with an opportunity? They, when you look at the, the victories that he had in his hand, and he's lost, and he doesn't throw those three. If he doesn't throw those three interceptions against Joe Burrow, they win that game easily. They only lost 19-16. He's the reason they lost the game. So he's taking a lot of heat for that one. 702-365-9200. And then the other big topic, I wanted to play this sound about J.J. Reddick. I work for Mad Dog Sports Radio on Sirius XM 82. It's named after Christopher Mad Dog Russo, who was on a panel with Stephen A. on first take. And went off on Draymond. So Mad Dog went off on Draymond saying, get out of here. No one wants to hear anything about Draymond. He's this, that, this, that. J.J. Redick was there on the desk, was there on the panel. He said this. I'll give you a large segment of older fans who have followed the NBA for 60 years, who are, this is not a political scenario or a race situation, who have followed Wilt and grew up as a Nick fan, who loved Clyde and loved Reed yeah, but I, love I, the I disagree with you on that. I don't think I don't, I'm not saying the, it's a race situation. I'm saying that this, the the fans you're talking about, they talk about athletes that way, like you just talked about an athlete. I think there's a lot. The I think people, there's the a people on Fox, segment. the people on Fox News talk about athletes that way. Well, that's, I mean, that's I mean, my issue. And Fox News that's is, my issue. I, so I don't actually care about the fans that watched Bob Cousy play right. or watched Wilt play. I don't care. Right. I appreciate right. that they've been NBA fans that long, right. but I don't appreciate the undertone. Wow. That's a pretty so JJ Reddick went right at Dog, Mad Dog, and Mad Dog clarified his points. You know, there are different demographics. There are guys like Dog older than JJ Reddick who remember the history of the game and care about Bob Cousy and Will Chamberlain. Then there's JJ Reddick who says on the record he doesn't care about those fans. Wow, that's a bit harsh. I mean, you gotta care about those fans. Everybody's chasing a certain dynamic and younger demographic, but the older demographic is still very important as we go forward here. That was some really good sound. That was incredible. We have more good sound coming up on the NBA as we continue on. We're waiting on Josh Jacobs. They're tracking him down. He's going to join us here momentarily. We'll talk to him about his camp. Uh, Tom Brady admitted to the fumble. He had fun with the tuck rule. We played that a little bit earlier. And when it comes to basketball right now, Miami looks unbelievable. The Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler, those guys – Probably the best team in basketball, along with Phoenix, coming off a commanding 2-0 lead. Here's Jimmy. Bounces it to Bam inside the arc. The lob to Jimmy! That play is wonderful. Pass 
Nice lob cramp. Well, the way they're playing now, if we had to watch the NBA Finals and it was the Heat and the Suns, I'd take that right now. Most of the country wouldn't because most of the country's dreams of LeBron versus Durant that never happened. So the 76ers now trail 0-2 in the series, and they're hoping that they're going to get Joel Embiid back. And the only chance they have is if Embiid comes back. Uh, Doc Rivers, I don't say he's on the hot seat. He could be a candidate for the Laker job. Uh, Doc knows a lot about what's happening here and trying to get the most out of this team when it looks like they have nothing left. Listen, they're doing their best. You know, you can't blame DJ. You can't blame Paul. They're doing their best. And, and as a coach, that's all you can ask from those guys. Yeah, all you can ask for every player is to play hard. The problem is James Harden, who got old overnight. This is one of the biggest stories in all of sports. Forget about football for a second. James Harden got old overnight, and he's waiting on a max contract. And he just doesn't have that extra gear to go to. He just can't do it because he's been playing out of shape for the last year or two. Now he's just hoping they go back to Philadelphia and can get one. The series doesn't start till you know the road team wins, and uh, we didn't get one, you know, out of the first two. But go home and take care of business, and we'll be back after Game Five. Oh, those are famous last words in sports, isn't it? That when you lo- when you lose the first two on the road, and you say, "Hey, the series hasn't started yet. <laughs> Do we lose at home?" Those traditionally, when you're down 0-2. Our famous last words there, and we're starting to look at it that way. I'll tell you, I look at this, I look at the NBA playoffs, and I nailed it. It's so good. The playoffs are great. The regular season stinks. The regular season's unwatchable, other than if you're gambling. And then the playoffs come, and everybody's getting hurt, diving for balls, hard fouls, you know, dunking over guys. They're just playing because it's the last time they're going to play if they get beat. And they want to put up great film, and they want to be seen. Uh, Chris Paul's amazing. What he's done with his diet now, Chris Paul, his physical body now is so lean compared to where it was three or four years ago. He's 37, and he's in better shape than he was at 31, 32. Raise your hand and beep your horn if you'd rather be in better shape now. I don't care if you're 55 or you're 25 than you were a couple of years ago. This guy, Chris Paul, is the latest great athlete to do it. Over on the left side, Doncic now there to defend him. Paul gets in underneath and scores the CP3 we all know and love. Yeah, that's Suns Radio on the call. So that team is completely loaded up right now. It is So we don't even play, Bobby. We were talking about that. We don't play basketball Friday. Heat 76ers and then Suns Mavericks. And I'm looking at the schedule here with... When's the next time your Boston Celtics play? They play Saturday at 12.30 in Milwaukee. So they got off that many days? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like three days off. I know. I couldn't understand it either. I'm like, I thought it was going to be every other day, but they gave them a big three-day break just to go to Milwaukee. All right. So that's good. That's, series, that's a 12.30 on Saturday, the run for the Roses with the Kentucky Derby. So we got the Kentucky Derby on. We have Celtics, Bucks, and then the late game, which is really chippy. And it's been chippy so far. Grizzlies. And the Warriors, that game is at 5.30 Pacific on Saturday. Uh, that game will be in San Francisco. And the Grizzlies came back hard, John Morant, to win that game to tie the series. Apparently, that kid did, uh, yep. committed the flagrant, too. He's out for game yep. three. And uh, Peyton's done for the playoffs. So he's out completely. So with all the, the – I wouldn't say it was a super dirty play, but a dirty enough play. And uh, Draymond got fined 25000 Brooks is gone for game three. But how come Draymond Green only got twenty five thousand for flipping off the fans and Kyrie got fifty? 
I, that's a conspiracy to me. Kyrie flips off the fans. They whack him for 50. Draymond runs with both hands in the air, double bird, and gets hit for 25. I think it was a case of Kyrie did it multiple times. Yeah. I mean, he did it the whole game. Yeah, great point. Kyrie did it a few times. But Draymond did it high profile running in. <laughs> I'm looking at the video now. I mean, and he said he, he makes $25 million, so it doesn't cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I've always said that. Whoever the athlete is who gets fined over twenty to fifty grand, ask him 40 years from now. If they'd want that twenty-five or fifty with interest, I would bet. Yeah, they're all going to need it. Not all of them. Draymond's been Draymond's going to be really good in the media with TNT and what he's doing now. But uh, a lot of people don't like Draymond Green. If you want a reason to root against the Warriors, and I'm not one of those guys. I don't I don't root against the Warriors. But there are a lot of fans around the country who root for one political party and they root against the other one mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. This is what's happening now with Draymond. If you're a fan in Memphis or in Phoenix or in Sacramento, especially L.A., with the Lakers and the Clippers. Draymond Green, with three world championships, fast track to go to the Hall of Fame, is probably the one player you root against more than anybody. Well, that's a cool thing. I mean, you got to have a villain. I mean, even the Milwaukee Bucks have Grayson Allen. you got to mm-hmm. have somebody to boo. Yeah, well, that, that of course, was, Kyrie is like a Kyrie legend when it comes to that. But. All right, we are waiting on Josh Jacobs. And we will come back, and hopefully Josh Jacobs will be here. And we were going to have him on at 12.30. We moved him to 1.30. And hopefully we'll get him up here. Or Q can take it and have a brilliant time with it. Josh Jacobs coming up. If you want to get through before the top of the hour, 702-365-9200. Garoppolo in the gun, Elijah Mitchell to his right, Debo Samuel left, Jennings inside of Ayuk, they motion Mitchell, come back, he goes in orbit, motion out left, Debo by himself, and they hand off to Debo, coming to the right, gets a block from Brunskill, a cut back by Debo, Debo 10, Debo 5, touchdown! San Francisco! Oh my goodness. Well that's Bobby playing that, not me, that's not off my phone or anything, Bobby. Uh, Debo Samuels, a uh, happy Cinco de Mayo. If you're having a great time today, uh, have some fun. Uh, happy birthday to John O'Donnell, one of the greats, J-O-D, one of my favorites down at La Comida, where I'll be down there later today. Uh, whenever it's John O'Donnell's birthday, you'll find me there over at Virgin. One steak, my go-to spot. It's his birthday today. The Irish bartending legend. Today's his birthday, and uh, he'll be downtown. Look forward to seeing him a little bit later on. In regards to Debo Samuels, we talked about that with Hacksaw. He wants to get paid. He wants a significant raise, and it doesn't look like the 49ers are going to do it. If I'm the 49ers, I hold him to the contract. I make him play. They probably have to sweeten the pot just a little bit. How much, I don't know, but Debo wants out. And that could be a major black eye, major black eye to the 49ers if their best player, and they got a couple of good players. Niners, Niners have a hell of a roster. But that would be enough to make them a non-playoff team, I think. And it looks like uh, Mike Florio was reporting uh, Kyle Van Noy's visit with the Chargers went well. A word that the veteran linebacker was visiting the club earlier today and that a deal was expected to fall into place. 
the Chargers announced Van Noy's signing without disclosing any terms, and that just went down. So that's just another player. According to Pro Football Talk, Van Noy is the second veteran defender to join the Chargers in as many days, and they added cornerback Bryce Callahan to the secondary on Wednesday. Van Noy returned to the Patriots last year after spending the 2020 season with the Dolphins, where he had 66 tack, uh, tackles, five sacks, and an interception in return for a touchdown, two forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. Very good player. Very good player. And now the Chargers are adding depth on the defensive side of the ball that is really significant, especially the depth that they have with Khalil Mack coming in and what they're going to do op- the opposite, the other side of Joey Bosa. So the Raiders, for whatever reason, they've been able to handle Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa's had a couple of shining moments against the Raiders. But the Raiders, I like the way the Raiders match up with the Chargers. Now it's official that the Chargers have a probably a better defensive roster, a front of the defensive line to the back. But I'll take Chandler Jones and Max Crosby all day long in that battle over Khalil Mack and what we're about to see with... Bosa, because Bosa's always banged up and always getting injured. But adding Van Oy to what they've done, remember Bobby Wagner, the future Hall of Famer, he ended up in a pretty good spot because he's with the Rams, the world champs there. You know, we had Dave Ziegler on, and we were talking about signing free agents, big-name free agents, and what they were able to do, what they're going to do going forward. Remember, Devontae Adams in a trade, here's what Dave said. Yeah, well, it's not something we, I would say, in my training um, in New England that we, that wasn't really, um, you know, ever a part of the philosophy there, right? right? Um, and, and so you develop your own philosophy, and, and I think what, what, came, what came to fruition there was, um, you know, being able to acquire um, one of the top players, if not the best player at his position, um, and also having that player wanting to come here too, sure, you know, and and so that made it a little bit easier too. And then, yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of to your to your question before you make that decision. There's a lot of philosophical things that you have to um, come to understand. Like the roster building is going to be different after you make a decision like that, right. and how you're going to build the roster and how you're going to be able to spend money. Um, this year in free agency, free agency, and as you go forward, yeah, it changes your perspective on things. And so we had we had a lot of discussions before we ultimately made that decision. Like, hey, this is how this is going to impact us going forward. This is how this is going to impact our decision making process. This is how it's going to impact how we build the team. So there was a lot of discussions before. You don't just do that. Sure. Um, you don't just do that trade unless, unless you, you know, maybe if you've um, institutionally been together in one place for 10 years and you understand how everything comes together. But this was a new situation. We had to, we had to come to um, an agreement on a lot of things before we made that trade of like, all right, once we do this, like this is how it's going to be going forward. And, um, you know, the draft's going to be a, an important part of this going forward. We need young players to um, contribute and have roles on this team. Dave Zegler, you'll hear that interview again in its entirety tomorrow. We'll play it tomorrow at some point in the show. Uh, That interview is also up at Raiders.com if you didn't get a chance to hear it and you want to hear it before we replay it tomorrow. Uh, Big news for Tyron Matthew. He says he's happy to be with the Saints now, that that deal has been manifesting for quite some time for quite some time, and he's happy to be there. That's a nice pickup to get him out of uh, to get him out of the AFC West. So not that Honey Badger was a guy that when you went to a Raider game you were in fear of, 
but you always knew that Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, would be around the football. Now he's gone along with Tyreek Hill. And the Chiefs are no longer the team personnel-wise that they've had. So he had his homecoming press conference, and he's excited. He said he hopes what will be a perfect fit with his hometown New Orleans Saints. Ten-year veteran insisted that it was something that's been manifesting for the past couple of years, even though he was thriving with Kansas City. That's what you can do when you go home. When you go home, you can always say that. This was the place, quote, I always wanted to be. And I think most people around me knew this is what I wanted. So, yeah, that's good to say when you had no one else offering you a gig there. Adam Schefter reported that the deal is $33 million with 18-plus million in guarantees. And one more from Honey Badger. He said, from there it is. From everything I've seen, it's come together. I'm happy. So, good. Get these Chiefs out of the AFC West. And it looks like the Chargers are loading up. The Chargers are finding players now that they're ready to pounce on and maybe even overpay. Chargers are feeling like they have some window that's happening right now with a certain amount of players on that Justin Herbert rookie contract because when they extend Herbert, it'll probably be the most expensive quarterback other than Deshaun Watson in guarantees, so they feel that that window is here right now. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Unfortunately, no Josh Jacobs. We thought we'd have him on today. Hopefully, we pass him along to Q as Q would pass something along to us. If it was vice versa, if he calls in, Q will get him and he'll promote. Matter of fact, let's do this for Josh and make sure we promote this correctly so he could at least get some people out there, and I'm sure it's going to be a great event. Josh Jacobs, his second youth football camp is May 7th at Sierra Vista High School. The camp is open to boys and girls grade 1 to 10, and we'll have an opportunity. You'll have an opportunity to learn some football skills from him. Uh, Josh Jacobs will also host camps in Oakland. June 25th, and in Tulsa, July 9th this summer. So that's Josh's camp coming up here. On Monday, Freddie Bolitnikoff comes on. I'm sure Freddie will be here. We'll talk to Freddie on Monday. Uh, Freddie's up at Daryl LaMonica's funeral today. So everybody today, it's Cinco de Mayo. If you're a Mount Muncha Raider fans, raise a shot at tequila for the Mad Bomber. May he rest in peace. Thanks for listening, everybody, to Raider Nation Radio. And you can find me at JT the Brick on Twitter and Facebook. Tomorrow, the Dave Ziegler interview again and a whole bunch of guests lined up. Have a great day. Cue on deck, everyone.